I'm Ryan and this is You're Not Watching That, the podcast where I'm finally catching up with all those films I should have seen, but my parents wouldn't let me. I think you get the gist by now if you've listened to a few. If you've not, welcome. Um, this week, we take our first glance, or Gleg, if you're from north of the Trent, at the work of Sylvester Gardenzio Stallone, or Sly to his mates and the family stone. Uh, but which route? Did we take to his arms, abs, and beautiful diction? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we went via the gritty, down on his look character that no one believes him, punching above his weight against all the odds. Yep, John J. Rambo in First Blood. I mean, what did you think I was going to say? Rocky or something? Nah, I say broke in every film. So strap on a bandolier of bullets and an oversized gun and, and get a mahoosive knife between your teeth. And let's go back to 1982. Let's go. Hello, we're here. This is it. Episode number seven, I do believe. Uh, the film that a lot of people will call Rambo, uh, but is in fact called First Blood. And talking of firsts, first ever, well, meant to be guests, but end up just part of the furniture and you'd be lost without him. It's Dan Fudge. Bonjour, Dan. How's it going? You all right? Je ne pas de gaillé? Oh, I was going to say, you just got back from Paris. How was your French? Uh, it's uh, it's Trey Biam on, on Petit Choupler. Um, my French is a lot better than anything else I could speak. And uh, the man at Disneyland uh, said I speak really good French. So uh, what really? about that? Well, I once got told my accent is fantastic, but you sound like someone who's had a brain injury by the things <laughs> you say. Il y a un bon ici, c'est facile parce que beaucoup de personnes qui parlent. And this girl was like, you are speaking, your accent sounds very French, but uh, yes, you hurt your head sometime, right? I was like, no. Brilliant. No. And also, I've realized that they do like a we, we, we very British people will go, we, and it's actually more of a we, we, very throwaway. I, I found out that uh, we is like we'd say yeah, as opposed to yes. So we is yeah. I think language is often about those joining words, like see is if, it's like, you know, you want to sort of just do something, you can't think of that little, like, and and bits and bobs mm -hmm. of just joining it together. But I've always had you down as a bit of a Spanish speaker, Dan. Not a, well, not I, uh, I I was in, I'm going to sound like quite the traveler here. I was in Miami last year and I was trying to converse in Spanish to a lady and uh, who's, uh, who was Mexican. And uh, and she went, your accent's really good, but your Spanish is uh, shit. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you very much. So you survived Paris. Uh, did you see any arcs or towers or all that business? I, I, Paris is a very Instagrammable town. Like, so you walk around going, here's that, there's this, there's that. Oh, look at that. It's amazing. But, you know, you, you, you forget about the fact that it's overcrowded. I went during the Easter holidays and um, and so there's people everywhere. And uh, and I was I was there with my partner who we've only been dating for like uh, seven months and uh, luckily, she's seen that side of me before, and she's quite chilled out. She's quite, you know, she's quite yeah. relaxed. Hunting and even she, even she was getting pissed off with uh, with the French people. So uh, I, I felt a bit of vindication. <laughs> yeah, but you can't always have it when you're having a bit of a go in an harvester because they haven't got the right chicken. They but had the right chicken. I saw you on their Twitter having a problem with someone coming up for a few things, and I, I nearly generally put. She's just having a breakfast. Cheer up. What the fuck was that? No, so, so there was a there was a lady, yeah, and, and there's something about a breakfast buffet where people lose their minds, you know, because you've got different types of breakfast all over the place, right? And people have to try everything. And, I, and Right, I understand that, but I have an issue. So as, as you sat down, there was a waiter there, and he was doing a grand job because trying to keep that clean, that area, was is always a bloody nightmare. And, hello. Yeah, hello. And he said, uh, he said to this, this lady, they were Italian. Uh, which she reminded him 16 times, uh, would you like any coffee? And she's going, espresso. Yeah. And uh, and he went, I can do espresso. 
espresso we italian we use we use the machine right so so we are she went to the she went to the machine no less than four times each for her and a partner i mean christ she must have been crapping through the eye of a needle sorry to get to get to get vulgar and um while her husband stood there just pouring out grapefruit juice uh, one after the other and just glugging it down. He may as well have just took the bottle to the table. But, that, that, you know, I, I understand she's living her best life. Don't get me wrong. She's yeah. on holiday. She wants to have fun. I, I understand that. But it's a fact. I, I don't know if you had this as a kid. Um, if I was walking and my parents heard me scraping my shoes, the best I can do, do a modern day version of is, have you ever got behind somebody in a street who wears Ugg boots? Yeah. And, and the there's sliding off. That schleppy, schlep, schlep noise. Yeah. Uh, oh God! And then there's the, the and and you know breakfast buffets are difficult anyway because everybody's walking around each other. There's no real, mm. you know, order to things. And she, it was like an ant colony with her and this other old couple that were there. And she was, and and I saw a tweet from Very British Problems that said, um, "Have you ever noticed when you're at a breakfast buffet, you always get one mortal enemy?" And uh, <laughs> yeah. and and I read it just as I was watching this Italian woman, and I've got my partner there going. She's up again, look. She's up oh, again. She, she can't ever complain, Sal, now, because she's actually fueled the fire. Oh, she was joining in. And there was one where I was I was eating my dinner, and, and across the room she went, Dan, Dan. I just pointed at her, and I went, oh, there she is again, while I'm making a tally of how many espressos her, her and her husband. <laughs> Sal, if you ever listen to this episode, you've got nothing to blame but yourself. <laughs> Always distract Dan like, from the idiots. But she never, she never reused the cup, so she had, they had eight, Eight espresso cups. It's a machine. Just you reuse your cup. Put four in one cup. You know what I mean. You're just giving the geezer more stuff to do, and then inevitably it all fell over and fell off, and it was a whole thing. But yeah, she, she yeah, she was my mortal enemy for the morning. But I, all I'm going to say is, don't ever go to a breakfast buffet in India, which I've done on numerous occasions because of a few reasons. First of all, the things you're used to and you think you just like, and I want a bit of a la sausage, beans, eggs, toast. They might as well be from the Jurassic period because you're going, what the <laughs> fuck is that? The beans are white. They're in a watery thing. And you're thinking, all right, well, at least it's beans. The sausages look like they come out of a can of hot dog sausages. Eggs, pretty good. But the numbers go through the roof. Like, how many poached eggs, sir? Two, please. Six, I once got. Wow. Um, the toast is very small, almost like Danish stuff. But then, say you go a bit adventurous. Anything else, sir? Yeah, I'll have some cream and some waffles and whatever the fuck that is because it's covering everything. And obviously it's different, you know, I love culture. I love seeing different things, but an Indian one is very much, even the things you know have gone really West. Um, so yeah, if you end up in that, I'd like, to, I'd like feedback on that one. Anyway, <laughs> Rambo um, or First Blood, as we're going to talk about, I think what we'll do is before I get involved with it, we'll start with that famous little theme tune. Or I say famous. It's the things I knew before. The things I thought I saw, the things I knew before. So quite minimal on this one, actually. Um, I don't know if I should ever say the things I knew before and if, if they were wrong, because I thought he said at some point, don't push me, which he doesn't say once in this film. So I thought that was something. Uh, secondly, uh, a headband and guns. All I knew really about Rambo as a character. As, there is another bit to it where I used to work with someone called John J. Rambo, but I'll come to that later on. <laughs> I don't think you knew this. Um, but yeah, you, Dan, where, where does, uh, when did first blood first appear for thee? So during your introduction, you were talking about a, uh, a a list of firsts. I realized 10 minutes into this movie, I've never seen it. Oh, my God. I, 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 the things I knew before, for me, 
Uh, it, Neil uh, last week referred to it as jingoistic, you know, where it's proper Sounds miracle. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all murica and it's yeah. all rippling muscles and look how good he is just with this knife and all the rest of it. I didn't, I, because I, I, I just searched Rambo, right? I, and I look for Rambo and this movie's not called Rambo. So I got, I got mixed up in all the titles and I've watched it and gone, I've never seen this movie. So my first foray into Rambo was the second one, which we'll, we'll touch up, we'll touch on yeah. at some point. But, but I was absolutely. I was shocked by by what I saw. So he, this is going to be me and you delving into a movie that we've both seen for the first time in our early forties. So is it is there a reason you didn't see it? Were you not allowed to, or you just got it confused? The first one was a bit too, you know, not mad enough for someone to own it in a leather based uh, cover like normal. I feel that, that that the movie was there, but obviously my my neighbour Paul was really interested in, and I'm going to keep saying this word because Neil's given me a great piece of vocabulary there. Um, he. I, I thought that Rambo was the jingoistic Saturday morning cartoon um, toys available from Cooper's Toys in Rotherham, that type of thing. I, I knew there was a knife. I knew he had long hair, um, but I, I, I just wasn't expecting this movie. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I thought it was great. So there's a few things I think are going to match up with this. So uh, we always like to try and drop these in as well. So 1982, uh, directed by Ted Kocheff, who I've never heard of, uh, based on a book as well. Uh, you've probably got it there in your statty bits, Dan, as well. But I do. Uh, so, yeah, do you want to give me your statty bits now and get in, and then we'll start going through what happened. And I'll just tell you, I'm going to give you the first three things that I've got on my list of how I saw the film. Sad Sly, The Deer Hunter, Salty Cop. But anyway, off you go with any info you may have for us. So uh, the history of this movie is actually, uh, it, it's similar to uh, Rocky, in that Sly Stallone had a, a writing credit. In this in this movie and had a lot of impact into into how the story was going to go. Um, they changed the ending of the book, which I, I assume we'll get to at some point. And um, and yeah, you've, you you know, like you say, you've said it, it adapted from a book, which which only came out like about what six years, eight years prior to this movie coming out, right? So it's quite a, a recent book about soldiers returning back from Vietnam and Korea. I was going to say it must have done because Vietnam ended around mid seventies. It was sort of done, mm. and this is films eighty two. So, for those who are trying to get their uh, chronology together, uh, he's done Rocky one and two by this point, and it's around the time of Rocky three as well. Because I was trying to look how stacked he was and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. he's a funny shaped heavyweight when he's Rocky. Oh, for those who are wondering, I have seen Rocky one and two and half of three, so I've got a bit of a reference point to uh, where Sly was doing his thing. Another interesting point, apparently his mouth is off to the side the way it is because he has something called Bell's Palsy, which my dad had in the 90s, and we all thought he was having a stroke, and it was really horrific. Um, but yeah, that's that's why he's kind of off yeah. the... Yeah, so that's why Sly's got that look. Um, do you remember anyone as a kid talking about this, or do you think it was more... The, is, are the second and third ones more show-busy then? Are they more like, America? Yeah, so so this is where the the confusion lay. I thought I'd seen it. I thought I'd seen Rambo, but I think that the second one is called Rambo: First Blood Part Two, I believe. So yeah, uh, that that was that's that's where the confusion lay. So I remember the the headband. I remember people doing the machine gun noise. I, you know what I mean? And 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 the the knife with the compass in the bottom must have been yeah. one of the hottest selling toys of nineteen eighty two to eighty three because a lot of kids are, around my area they they had them. Uh, yeah. They had this this plastic knife that they were waving around. Uh, so, so it, I, I was absolutely blown away by what this this first movie was. And just like Rocky, we're, we're going to draw a lot of parallels. Where you know the story of Rocky one and two is is this this you know this bum essentially making his way 
via a favor that's not really a favor into into the limelight and becoming this big but then the, the third one starts out with uh hulk hogan in a in a boxer versus wrestler match he's, and he ends up fighting. he's more established by the third one yeah. yes yeah 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 so so you can for some reason still sylvester still only two franchises at this point had sold his soul to the devil but they did it really badly going forward and and, and and it reminds me a lot of that. This happened a lot in the seventies and eighties. They did it with, like I say, you had Rambo and Rocky. They did it with Superman as well. If you can remember Superman three and four, I've seen it. I've seen the scary robot woman get electrocuted and scare the shit out of me. I know something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's Superman three where they've shoe on Richard Pryor in there for no reason, and uh, and 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 again they, they've they've taken what what's essentially a gritty story and and jingoed it up and mericked it up. And, um, you know, they, there, there was a, this one draws a lot of parallels with uh, Robert De Niro's Taxi Driver, which you probably haven't seen. Not seen it. Shocking. Shocking. Um, so the, the overarching theme in this movie uh, as, as a whole is obviously, as you probably know now, is, is what you'd call nowadays PTSD or PTD, right? Oh, I mean, some of the abuse, I mean, I, I've written it down early doors with Deer Hunter because it really does remind me of Deer Hunter, which I saw when I was at uni. Because it was just that and um, Raging Bull I saw around the same time. I got in, oh, and um, oh, what do you call it? The one with uh, Popeye Doyle in it. Um, Gene Hatman. You know, driving cars through street. The I'm thinking of Parisian thing. I can't, it's going to do a in exactly what it is. I have to look it up because it's doing absolute heading. Um, but anyway, th those kind of gritty 70s Steve McQueen bullet type films. I got really into those when I was doing media at uni. So seen quite a few like that but yeah very much remind me of the deer hunter someone coming back to a sort of sad cold america also i've i've been here if it makes sense as well so i flew to uh vancouver a few years back and then we took the train down the west coast of america through oregon through washington state through seattle and it looks just like this even though apparently they filmed mm -hmm. in british columbia where vancouver is but um it's all meant to be set in washington state all that kind of upper i think they call it the northern was the pacific seaboard or something up on the high west of america's coast and it just yeah he comes in all sad done he's trying to find his mate from his band of brothers he's deed mm -hmm. he's and, and again it is a reference to these people coming back from this war and uh, i think his mate died of some kind of chemical warfare Cancer. didn't he well, the, 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 the orange stuff got him yeah the mums the mums claiming it was the uh, napalm the orange stuff. Uh, but yeah, he's deed of the, the big C, so he's gone. So he's now, he even give her the picture, which I thought was quite nice, even though she's like, yeah. oh, cheers. Um, and then what can only be described as, well, we'll call him Will throughout. He's the, he's the sheriff. He's just a bit of a prick, really. I mean, I'd read a thing looking at the back of this that there was a side story to it where apparently because he'd been in the Korean War mm -hmm. and Rocky was a veteran of Vietnam, which was getting way more stuff, he was a bit spiky towards him. But yeah. he's a bit of a prick to him. Even going on about his haircut, you need to get your haircut. And he basically drives him out of the town. And I know he said Rocky. And Rambo just turns around and goes, fuck that, I'm coming back in. And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, general thoughts on Will the Sheriff and his attitude. So uh, Teasel, his name is, isn't it? That's Something it. Will, like that. Uh, Sheriff Will Teasel. Yeah. So um, I think the... What does he say to him when he pulls up? Because he's lovely, isn't he? He's like, "Hey, buddy, where are you going?" And you walking around looking like that with that badge on your chest. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's a there's a line where he says, "Next thing you know, there'll be a bunch of you guys here." Yeah. Uh, and so so these these ex Vietnam vets uh, are now being released into society, as as it were. And um and all of a sudden they they're, they're social pariahs, according to this copper. And he and and the and the uh, the town is 
hilariously called Hope, if I if yeah. I remember rightly. And um and yeah, and and and, I, and and he's really nice, and he and he says, "Oh, could I get somewhere to eat?" And he goes, "He's Arnold Schwarzenegger, apparently." He goes, yeah. "Can I get somewhere to eat?" And he goes, um, "Yeah, over there, <laughs> like two miles, Seattle. two miles down there." Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so but yeah, you're right about the overarching story. There's a blink and you miss it bit where the Korean um, ex-service medals and accommodations are on uh, Teasel's office in the in yeah, the, the, uh, in the background, apparently there as well. Mm. So he's got loads of. But yeah, haircut, obviously, being the son of a dad who's had long hair ever since I can remember, I'm always a bit anti the old haircut. And I can hear him going, well, men had it long before they had it short, and all this kind of stuff. So he gets arrested for walking back into the town, and then he meets the guys that I've described as the slammer cops. Now, these guys, the ginger lad's all right, actually. He's a little bit more like, I'll just go and check his name and various things. But yeah. he meets a bloke who reminds me very much of the knobhead out of Jaws, who's going, you know, the old crusty, yeah, I can't remember his name. I got the, the guy that goes, have you ever looked into a shark's eyes? Yeah. The black like a doll's eyes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, they, and he, all I've written down here is truncheon to the spine. Mm. And he's having flashbacks. Now, in my head, I must admit, I was watching it, and maybe we live in a different society, what well, we do, to 1982. But I was just thinking, nowadays, you'd be going, lads, I've had a fucking nightmare in Vietnam. You won't believe the shit I've yeah. seen. And they're just going like, you know, all in bars makes me feel like, and also I defended, you know, I know it's not, Vietnam's a funny war because it wasn't on their turf, was it? So it's a bit of defending the country. It was just sort of away from a lot of people. Um, but yeah, you'd be saying something, but he doesn't, does he? He just keeps stumped, won't have his fingerprints done. So that's really weird. Pick cops how he's sort of winding them up a bit. So there, there are two things that, that came out of this bit, and it's the, for lack of a better term, the state of policing during the 70s and 80s was quite... Sure. I mean, you and I growing up in the 80s, we used to be, uh, we used to be terrified of getting a clip round the ear. Didn't yeah. we? I remember you know, the copper gear would clip round the ear, and uh, and and here it's it's quite. I'm in charge. This is my town. This is what's happening. You do as I say, and so obviously it sent him into a spiral when they tried to give him a shave and a haircut. And um, and what was the other thing you said? The, uh, I mean, the threatening to the threat. Everything's flashing, talking, in, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the way they're talking to him as well. But obviously, it's yeah, yeah. copper's a robot. So in my notes, I because I was sat watching it making notes myself, and I and I thought I, I like Ryan the way he writes his notes, so then it kind of triggers him. I wrote here lost to dialogue, and the reason I wrote that is, do you ever remember the program Lost? Did you ever did you ever watch it? I was I was discussing this the other day because Natalie was watching the new bit of Succession, and I said I'm not going to watch it, love, just go for it because I would have got into it by now. I didn't watch Lost, I didn't watch Twenty Four, and after mm. I think Lost finished, I had a load of mates going. I've just wasted six years. So yeah. Part of me kind of feels a bit like some of them I'll let slide. It's okay, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah the uh, with Lost, there was always this thing that used to carry through that really used to wind me up, that if they just sat and had a full and frank conversation with each other and explained what they were thinking about at their end and what actually happened, a lot of the uh, mistrust and a lot of the issues wouldn't have been an issue. And I feel like Rambo, like you said, could have done this. He could, he could have gone... Oh, listen, lads, uh, you know, I've had a bit of a shit time of it. Oh, really, pal? <laughs> oh, me and all. Which we find out later on, he's not made that way, is he? No. Um, so he's got truncheon to the spine, which I just thought, he wasn't seeing that coming as well. You don't brace for that. That's going to that's gonna hurt. And then he gets hosed. Nice bit of, uh, mm. bit of bum, bum shot there for you. And I, I must admit, his wounds look quite, because they're all taken back by the wounds. And I'm bloody hell, what's he been doing? Because I would have been going, looks like Zangief from Street Fighter 2. He's been, he's been fighting bears. Is he going to complete this and dance with Mikhail Gorbachev like happened in the game? But then they decide to hose it with an industrial fire hose into his cuts, which I must think, mm -hmm. I was thinking, bloody hell, that must have stung a bit. 
Yeah. Uh, is it uh, what the ginger guy is? Uh, I, I kept referring to him in my head as a CSI Miami because I think it's the same actor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So because there's, there's a really weird bit where at the end of one of the episodes uh, on on CSI because I did I didn't like that one. He uh, he stands there and it's really odd. The camera pans out like a helicopter shot and he's standing there doing what can only be described as the Bruce Forsyth, nice to see you, to see you nice pose. It's so weird. And for some reason, he's famous in my head for that. Oh, okay. I've, I've never seen him before or since. So uh, I, I just thought he was the ray of hope for Rambo in this situation. Mm. Um, and then I've got here, here comes my person... <laughs> my one person I mean there's a lot there's a lot going on here there's a lot going on in the woods and I, I, I plumped for them early this might need some explaining to anyone who is um, based outside of the UK or under 35 but there's a bloke who comes along because obviously he's getting all you know they're just trying to shave him and he goes bananas don't see Rambo he's like fuck this mm-hmm. and you're edgy going you're giving me the right load of shit here mate mm-hmm. you're in a cop shop you know I know they're being knobheads but just bloody tell someone and so I guess CCTV is not as good. Although there was a big, big bit of paper at the back that said you're being recorded on video. And I thought, yeah, but that's, that's dead. Yeah. Get hold of. Uh, so he goes nuts and some bloke goes, what the hell is? And he gets punched through a glass window. But the best bit they got for me was he looked like someone who Dan will now describe where he sits in the pantheon of English entertainment, Bob Carroll G's. <laughs> he really did. Describe this to someone who's not 40 or British, Bob Carroll G's. Okay, so uh, back in the 80s, there was a performer called Bob Carrollges, who was primarily a puppeteer, but he didn't do any ventriloquist work apart from this one bit. Sorry, stop, stop, stop. That is very, that the word puppeteer is doing a lot yeah. of heavy lifting. Yeah, it's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. But the uh, the puppet, he didn't do the voice for the puppet apart from one noise where he could make make the dog spit with a full hock of phlegm as well. So the, 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 the puppet would be up, up, up here, I'm showing you, and it would go, and it would do what? It would go, <laughs> That's yeah, but he, he couldn't do any other ventriloquism apart from that noise, and he would wear crap jumpers and have a big mustache. Did it bite anyone? Or was that emu? Uh, no, that was emu. That with Rod Hall. So it used to pretend to spit at people. Yeah, it's like a forerunner for that dog that we don't mind who does the innocent men. That's really funny. Uh, what's his name? He's he's hilarious. He's yeah, really we, funny. We missed him. He like, so it's the kind of thing the dads would have gone. So Bob Carroll G's gets thrown through a window. He's my uh, random person for the back. Then I've put Steel's bike gone nuts. And I must admit, mm. I'm sort of just watching this bit going, shit, he's fucked this. Because it, <laughs> come on, the car does well to stay with him, doesn't it? The, the yeah. car's doing well. Because I thought this, I mean, you've had some rum cars through the years and your suspension goes easy. But that... Yeah. that you know, Will's doing all right, sticking with him on a scrambler. Although I must admit, no helmet on, no top. I kept thinking if he comes off here, he's going to be in a right pickle. Mm-hmm. Scrambler versus a uh, cop car. Any comments on that section, Dan, before we go? No, I, I, I was the same as you. I was watching it going, tell you what, the Ed Gasket's going on that any minute now. And then and then it, there's a few things where it just 80s it up a little bit. You know what I mean? So it rolls slightly off a, a small oh. incline. Yeah. And then it just inexplicably just blows up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's, it's the jumping the railway tracks as well. I thought that was almost a, a sign of him going to the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They have to leap it as well because if they're if they're a, you know responsible staff, they'd be going. Well, he's on a scrambler, and I kept thinking of the music to kickstart. Again, for those of you who don't remember the eighties, it was just like people jumping off like bins onto other bits of beam and stuff, and the music went. Burp, burp because it was the 80s and it was someone who just played it on a kazoo and it just like cartoons the lads just going look at me doing wheelies um but yeah wheelies were massive in the 80s weren't they Dan? were you good at oh, yeah yeah you went you went anybody around the playground if you couldn't do a wheelie or ride non-anded 
Yeah, or Spokey Dokies. Rubbish. Yeah. Look him up. Um, so he's now in the woods, uh, John Jay. Now I'm going to come to this John Jay bit now because I think it's important. So I knew the name John Jay Rambo in 1998, circa 1999, because of a very strange circumstance that happened to me as a kid. So I worked in a place called Deep Pan Pizza, which I don't know if they're around anymore, just before I left to go to uni. First job had been Shoe Express in 96 when Spice Girls got let loose and it was a Euro 96. Great summer. Um, so by 1999, uh, wherever it was around that time, I was working in deep pan pizza, uh, just throwing out the deep pans uh, as a server. Bit of money before I went to university. And the staff were all right. There was a bloke from North Wales, a member who was very much anti the South, South Wales people. And he just was one of the main chefs. Uh, there was just a nice bunch in there, some girls from school, some lads from school. But then randomly, there was a bloke who, how do I describe him? So, Chopper from the film Chopper, if he was four foot tall, <laughs> with dark tinted glasses on. So, a very small man with one of them moustaches, you know, a beard that's got no chin. Yep, 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 yep. Right? And his name was John. Now, he'd actually changed his name by Deepol to John J. Rambo. <laughs> I mean, there should be surely a bit here where I'm saying this isn't the case, but this is a true story, so I don't think I'm def any defamation. And he used to say things, so I was like, I've changed my name because the police in Boston don't mess with me because I'm too dangerous. They know not to mess with me. And, and when you like say that. Boston, you don't mean <laughs> in, in, the, in New England. No, I mean the original racist Boston, which is absolutely horrible, one of the worst places you can ever live. And one of the only places I've ever been said, someone said to me, do you want to come with us tonight to kidnap some foreign lads and throw acid on them? Yeah, because they're not very nice around there. Obviously, I said no. Um, so yeah, John J. Rambo was working in Deep Pizza. And the thing was, he was his own worst enemy in some ways, because even though I was not a cruel 18-year-old, the Welsh lad in the kitchen bloody was. So when he go, I've just come to go and get my pizza now. They just just cover it in chilies and stuff like that all over it. And he'd be sitting eating it, and he'd put his. I remember once he put his back against the wall and put his head, his fingers like this between his tinted glasses, and slid down the wall and went. They don't know who they're messing with. They don't. I am Rambo. So weirdly, wow. I do know about the thing, and I looked him up years later, um, only a couple of years ago. And all I just say to you is just Google. Lincolnshire, John J. Rambo, it ends in police. That's all I'm saying. So uh, no great shock. But yeah, what a what a wonderful it's nice that he had an effect on this bloke, Dan, but mm -hmm. strange. Yeah, and, and and I think it was it was, let's call them super fans of uh, of movies such as the second and the third one, and then the fourth one. Um that that why it went the direction it did. You know what I mean? Because like the name, yeah. maybe I, do you know what I might think? I think this bloke's probably had a bit of a, ru a rum life. He's a small bloke. He's probably been picked on, and he's thought, do you know what? I'm going to go with the name of someone who I think is a superhero, but not quite realise that yeah. he doesn't associate living in the jungle when you're in Boston and you're working deep on pizza. Bless him. Oh, Harry, here's a soldier. Rambo. John Jay. <laughs> is that fair? <laughs> Yeah, I've I've been to that deep pan pizza and uh, and all the you know everything's falling into place. One bloke once said to me, "Your you tips under the plate, mate." Winked at me, and there was about an eighth of squidgy black bloody marijuana under there. I said, How the fuck do you think? I'm... Do you know what I mean? So so, uh, but what you know? But looking at that backwards now, he's robbed all the money and just gone. I'll leave him a bit of hash. <laughs> yeah. I know what that lad needs, a bit of weed. Um, so I've got, so he's now, I've written down here, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Uh, so John John is in the woods, not the one from Lincolnshire. I don't, I don't know where he is now. I don't want to guess. Um, but what do you call him? Sly Stallone's in the woods. And I've just written very scampery. Mm -hmm. A lot of scampering. 
He's got yeah, he's, on the flaks and he's just whatever it is, isn't it? And he's scampering between these rocks and shit. I, I mean, this uh, this this movie did a lot for Levi Jeans, didn't it? On how robust they are, and then uh, then he makes himself a uh, some kind of tunic, doesn't he? Out of like an old sack. tailoring with sacks. I've put so you yeah, put what? yeah. I've put tailoring with sacks. Tailoring, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the and that's where the hairband comes from to to start with. And and it wasn't red at the time. The red one doesn't appear till the second movie because I I went into a Rambo hole because I was like. This isn't the movie I've seen. What what mm. the f is this? So then I then I watched the second one and realized where it all came from. Um, but yeah, and, and then he's scampering up these up these rocks, and then he's get he's getting chased by these two big Dobermans. Now, old big, man with Dobermans, old man. I love the way that the police brought the old man with them, like the handler of the dogs, because <laughs> they didn't have any, and they've gone. Here's a potentially harmful situation. Let's bring the old fella anyway. Yeah, but he's slightly hungry for blood more than the dogs. The dogs yeah. don't. Those dogs do fuck all in this film. They yeah. just wander through the woods. That you know, we mentioned the goat in Nightmare on Elm Street and go, we need a goat. <laughs> it's like, we need some dogs. What do they look like? Scary. Okay, what are they gonna do? Just wander around some trees. Yeah. Doing things. They're gonna jump over a log and then we're gonna use that uh, that the dog version of the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got that one person who's going, but the owner guy who runs them, he's a real good actor. We should use him. Oh, he's a little bit over the top, and he no, it's all right, we'll use him. And they forgot about the dogs. And just yeah. ironically, we think we mentioned this before. And I'm sorry if I've repeated on this. My sister, as I say, used to call Rottweilers roller biters, which I still think is the, the ultimate name for those dogs in the 80s if they weren't German shepherds. So there's a lot of chasing now, isn't there? He's going through. And mm. I don't think at this point you still know lots about him. You know, he's a former vet, mm-hmm. um, but he falls. He has that bit where he's hanging from the cliff, don't he? And the boat's at him with a chopper, uh, trying yeah. to have a shot at him and stuff like that. And I'm sure I thought there was going to be a chopper incident there because the, the pilot says something like, oh, there's a vortex of air or something. I thought, oh, this mm. is going to go tits. And he's just pot-shotting. The, again, Dan, the, the, the police situation, there doesn't seem to be any real hierarchy or order going on here. This It's absolute chaos. I, I don't know, because there's there's a bit like that we're going to get to in about 10, 15 minutes of the movie. We're probably going to get to in a couple of minutes on here where, where all of a sudden Teasel turns into like their dad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, yeah. But so I mean, the, in the helicopter, the older guy who's, who's obviously a racist and stuff like that. So the, the older guy in the helicopter who's who's taking all this personally is now firing shots. So Rambo jumps off the cliff, falls down a tree, hits every branch on the way down, and he's is in an absolute terror. He's, he's got no weapons apart from this this really useful knife with a compass in the bottom. He's made himself some clothes and then he starts firing, doesn't he? And uh yeah, and then I'll I'll let I'll let you pick this bit up. Well, he shoots at him on the rocks, first of all, and so it's like I said, boom. You know, those kind of bullets come aside. But yeah, when he falls to them, them bloody trees, bloody Nora. Because mm. I thought he was going to go for the water. And I thought, okay, he's yeah. dampening the fall from the trees to the water. No, is he fog? And I think I read somewhere Sly actually knackered up his ribs doing this or some shit, <laughs> bottom bit, because he actually did the bottom bit. So yeah, he goes down there and, and he's getting shot at from behind because the helicopters come right into the, I don't know, Stokes's Canyon or whatever we want to call it. And then he throws a rock, hits the helicopter, and the bloke falls out who's got dark hair and isn't the bloke who's been shooting at all. I mean, I know they're going to use stump people, but Jesus, get the hair right in it. it it's, it's like that fat lad who replaced uh, Freddie. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, he's an expert. I don't care. He's too big. He can't have the part. Um, so... This yeah, cool. this bit this bit for me was was odd because there's uh, well as we go into the movie we'll we'll realize it more but benefit of retrospect so I I mentioned a couple of episodes ago about the um about the movie Hot Shots Part Deux where Charlie Sheen's firing all these bullets and it says more it was Predator it was right episode one and it says more than Predator and then it says more than Rambo and I thought like there'd be people dying all over 
all over this movie. I thought that's what I'd see, but that is the only death in this entire film. Um, yeah, it's the only one I can think of. It's the old man going down, isn't it? Because, oh, well, we'll come to it later on with, uh, with the sheriff, because I thought he was a goner as well at one point, but it turns out he wasn't. So, yeah, there's all, the, there's all this general sort of look, and I don't think anyone's really got a plan what they're doing, and, he's, and he's, he starts nobbling them, doesn't he? He starts, sta- I put stabby mm. bullet dodge lightning. Old man goes <laughs> down, he gets a nibble, then someone's in a trap. And it turns into a horror film for about 10 minutes. Yeah, they, so, so this 10 minutes is where the next three movies w- were just based on. You know oh, what I mean? They, yeah, so, so the kids have gone, oh, that bit was pretty cool where he single-handedly takes them down one by one in a, like an absolute ninja. Mm. And then and then the rest of it picks up where it left off. So this is the, again, here's that word again. This is the jingoistic bit. This is this is the bit that had all the kids going, oh my God, that's amazing. And this is the bit where there's a there's a Saturday morning cartoon he's now being thought of at this point. Yeah, because the trap was the one that got me. So there's a bit where he stabs someone in the leg. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where he goes, he looks at Will and says something. And then the lightning flashes and he shoots at him, but he dodges the bullet and it shoots his mate behind him. There's a bloke yeah. tied up to a tree, the lightning going off everywhere, all very like, and then some bloke gets caught in a pig trap or something. I don't know how he's made that because that thing is pretty advanced in terms of how he's made it. Yeah, he made it in no time, but we did have a brief montage of uh, of him making that trap, didn't he? Sharpening the sticks and then it goes into his someone's thigh. He goes into the thighs, doesn't it? The trap and you kind of go, I remember looking at it going, oh, I bet that's gum keen. Think of all them, all them, uh, blood vessels and, and veins and that. all that in there. Yeah, like, ooh, that, that I, thought, I know my look, that would have nipped a ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, right down the side. I, um, I've had a bit of a rum week for, I did that a gig on Saturday. And I have these boots on that I've hardly ever worn. And my God, I knew I was in some trouble, but halfway through the gig, I thought these are rubbing like a right old thing. You know, when your football boots as a kid were needed to wear in. And I took this boot off and my sock was not only cut from the boot, but my whole sock had gone red. It was bleeding into this boot. I was like, oh. The things you do for your art, mate. I know, just to be Elvis Presley. So I I, I then, I remember I got home and saying to Natalie, I'll put a plaster on it. And then I had to go and get special plasters, these blister ones, which cost about a pound of fucking plaster. And you go, yeah, yeah. Delivering shit. And then I'm, I'm coming to bed last night and she, she's just watching something in the front room and I come just get a cup of tea. And I'm sort of a bit dozy, you know, when you go into a slight sleepy mode. And I've completely forgotten my size 12s, how to control them. And I go little toe into the door frame, full pelt, because I'm striding. It's the same foot as the blister. And I was just going, I've had enough. And I, and I, the thing is, someone told me ages ago, as long as you're not too dramatic with it, you have to let out a certain sound. Yeah. My sound yeah. was kind of like a, Ooh! it's like really like losing it. Like, oh, and I went, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm being dramatic. I'm trying, it's getting better. And then I thought, it's not getting better. It is still hurting. So I'm then trying to move it, going, just check it's not fucking broke because it felt it hurt. Then it's going red and it's getting big. And I, my left foot had just gone, I've had enough. This bloke here, I know exactly where he's coming from when he's got a pig <laughs> straight through his Slightly different. I woke up this morning with my blister plaster on and my big swollen red toe, just going, do you know what? I'll take that over a, a nadsack speared by a bloody pig trap. I tell you what, it, it's weird, isn't it, where you kind of, um, where you watch movies like this and, and you're sat there going, oh, I bet that bloody hurts. Because uh, I never thought that as a kid. There's there's one movie where I think it's Jean-Claude Van Damme cuts his finger and there's an explosion and he holds a big Coca-Cola vending machine around him and the heroine. And on it is this perfect white little plaster he's got on his thumb because I remember thinking, oh, I bet that come a bit keen. <laughs> you know, like in this movie where he's rolling down the uh, the rock face or he's climbing on that, yeah. that cliff face and you're like, oh, God, I bet that's effort. 
But the thing he's made a bob for his own back sometimes here, Sly, because there's a bit where he's, especially when he's hanging on the rock face, where he's doing this, and I'm sort of, I'm going to end up doing it like, as if you're holding on with your fingers, right? And he's sort mm -hmm. of going left and right. Because he's so ripped, none of his muscles are tensing, so he's clearly got no weight going through his body. He's obviously yeah, yeah. blank, just going... Like it's just left and right, like some little dog bouncing up near the door. And that, that just stuck to me anyway. Um, so trap horror films, uh, I've got, <laughs> this bit amused me. Then a cop turns up in the classic bit in these films where someone's got to come in and sort shit out because these lads have not got it together, these cops. And yeah, I've yeah. put it down as, <laughs> this is exactly how I wrote it. Stridey cop turns up. So he comes, <laughs> he does a very stridey walk and he's pushing journalists out of the way. Yeah, that's right. He actually turns out to be all right. And he's striding yeah. away and he's pushing people out of the way. What's going on here, reporter? What do you think? I ain't giving you shit, reporter. That's, and I was trying to work out. I wonder if that, that, that tr it's a trope, that isn't it? You know what I mean? When it goes, this geezer's come to talk shit out. And then there's the inevitable, this is not your jurisdiction conversation. Don't give me any jurisdiction crap. But the best bit is, is when Will says, you can't turn up here and do all this, Dave. <laughs> and... After that moment, he does seem to lose all power and he never really gets involved again. I just see him once with a cover over his hat and he's like, mm. yeah, okay. Oh no, there's one bit where they said you, because that the bloke comes in, doesn't he, with a broken nose going like, oh, they were roughing him up a bit. In the, <laughs> he's like, well, you know, we, if he's got a problem, he can come and see me and I'll rough him up. And that's the one part where Dave goes, oh, well, that's probably why he's killing everyone in the woods. <laughs> and then your fault, this. Yeah, Dave doesn't really have much to say after that. So stridey cop Dave then gets replaced by Colonel Sam Troutman. Right. Silhouetted in the edge of the tent. So, Dan, explain a little bit to the good folks at home who are never going to watch this film all about Carl Sam Trout mania. So, Colonel Sam Troutman is one of the fall downs of this movie for me. Because, I, like I said, right, this was the first time I'd seen this movie, really. I knew who Troutman was from watching it last time round, but Troutman's got a bit of a different character. So, he gets, he kind of just sashays in. No one's invited him. No one knows who he is. And he kind of just walks in with a little smug little eyebrow raised and his little, like, side mouth that he does and he's like well you, and and all he is essentially in this movie is the narrator but he's a little bit cheesy with it as well isn't he so it's kind of like you better like know who John Rambo. yeah he's, kind he's of created the monster yeah so it's like uh and and then there's a and then they get him on the radio to try and reach out to rambo while he's hidden in that mine and um yes yeah go to that now so it's a little bit ahead of you but go for it now because he yeah basically said hasn't he that he's you're fucked. If you want to go mess with him in the woods, you're lucky he killed all of you because he's programmed yeah. to kill. In fact, he's almost been a bit shit by not yeah, killing. He, yeah, he's kind, of, he's kind of trying to tell him that he's shown him mercy by only stabbing him in the legs and and nearly strangling him. And and then there's a bit where he gets older, Teasel, isn't he? In the in the jingo bit where he's kind of like, just leave me alone. Like you know what I mean? Oh yeah, he's got him in that bit, and he's basically put that knife to him, is mm. which has made you know tailoring easy in the woods and he's got that to his neck and basically said yeah and, and then for some reason teasel decides to dress as john motson for about five scenes where <laughs> i just yeah again for those of you uh outside the uk uh, god rest his soul although i think his son spotted derby so fuck him um he, he's uh john motson used to wear these big sheepskin coats and teasel decides to wear that over his uniform which i thought must have been bloody bacon I literally wrote exactly the same thing. Motson coat. <laughs> so he he's then they get Troutman to have a word with him on the radio, don't they? But it's a double-edged sword because they want to know where he is on the radio. And if he speaks back, they're gonna know. Now, the thing I like about this is there's, there's a thing I heard ages ago where someone said, What you should do is if someone ever mentions the title of a film, you should applaud and walk out the cinema. Which I think is fucking hilarious. 
So if somebody went like, hey, Shrek. Yeah, that's it. So this would have happened about two thirds in when he said something like, oh, they started it. No, they caused the first blood. At that yeah, point, they, they, say, like, uh, that's me done. Done. No, no. First blood. Here we go. Done. I think, uh, I think Family Guy does a really good, a really good skit on that in the early Family Guys when it's funny. And he goes, uh, oh, you, you can't contain yourself when uh, when they mention the name of the movie in the in the movie and uh, and it cuts to him in the cinema and he goes, and that's why I must become Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh, that's why they call it that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I, so I go, oh, Tom Hanks, I love his stuff. I got AIDS. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so yeah, they're trying to smoke him out, but you, you get the feeling that Troutman. Uh, I'm trying to see if I could tie this to anything else. A bit like the RoboCop thing where they made him because. Oh, you're telling me he's lost all control here? He can't, you know, you know what every movie's going to make. You know, he's saying he's going to lift him out of there. Troutman haven't really got a clue. He, he doesn't no. seem like he's that official, like he's trying to just go, look, this is going to look really bad on me. He doesn't look like mm-hmm. he's that. It looks like he does sort of care. But there's that moment later on where he's talking to Teasel, whatever you can call him. And uh, he's a bit like, what would you do if you got him? Would you like hug him and kiss him? Give him a big kiss? Because that's obviously a really negative thing for a man to kiss another man back in the 80s. Um, or would you like shoot him? He said, well, I'll have to decide when I see him. So you are a little bit like Troutman mm. may kill him. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Especially the conversation they have on the radio as well, where he goes, they drew first blood. And he's going, John, just stand yourself in. It's good. They drew first blood. And you're like, oh, my God, someone, someone's in trouble here. And then, they, and then they get the signal, don't they? They get the signal and they find him. And then the movie just falls a little bit there for me as well. So, yeah. So they send in the troops who I must admit, I'm not quite sure who the fuck these are at this point because they don't seem to mm-hmm. be any under any army jurisdiction, but they're almost to be like a home guard. Again, if for those of yeah. you outside the UK, dad's army was this program in the seventies. <laughs> Look it up. It's a similar vibe. Do some hunting. Hunting. We ain't hunting him. He's hunting us. Because for some reason, this film, which has been gritty, um, spiteful at times, a little bit, a bit survival horror in some ways, basically turns into what I've put as comedy scared troops. These lads were all rolled up outside an old mine, which actually reminded me very much of the moon of Endor from Star Wars when they're trying to take down that thing with the Ewoks. And uh, they're going, you shoot him. No, you fucking shoot him. And all he's done oh. is tatted some back at them and none of them want to go in the mine. I'm just going to do some throwback just at this second. Dagobah. That's how they pronounce it in Star Wars. Dagobah. Dagobah. I tell, uh, not Dagobah. Stop saying Dagobah. <laughs> it's, it's Dagobah. Dagobah. Exactly. Anyway. In Dagobah. Well, you can do the accent. But right. So, yeah. So what they do, they, um, yeah, the, the home guard have turned up. It's kind of like, it, it would be real because there's all these dead I want to say injured soldiers around the place, not injured soldiers, injured coppers around. Mm. And they're like, we'll go and get him then. I'm not going in there. I've got to open the shop tomorrow. You're missing the point. They've gone a long way into those woods by that point. Because you'd have gone, sorry, what do you need us to do? Because we're meant to just be putting these trolleys back in little. That's what we do. Uh, We're the ones who sort of go up to real coppers and go, oh, yeah, we're here to help. And the coppers are like, fuck off, mate. You know, you're nothing to do with us. They've gone a long way into those woods and rat-a-tatted at him. And the second he rat-a-tats back, oh, fuck this. Well, yeah. And then one of them, there's a really good bit where he says something like Joe, and this bloke just puts his head up and goes, Yo, <laughs> yo. And I thought, Oh, these guys are so shit. And then they decide to fire in a bloody rocket launcher. Mm. And then they think they've won. Yeah, that's it. And there'd, there'd been an order. We'd all heard it. I'm yep. not a big fan of Will Teasel, what are we going to call him? But he had definitely said to him, Don't go and kill him or don't do anything, just hold him there, sort of thing. 
And now you find out later on when he's having a chat with old Troutman, it's because he wanted to take him out. I thought he was going to have a moment there, you know? Will, he was being nice a bit later on, wasn't he? And he's just like, you thought he was going to say to him, look, I got it all wrong. I'm sorry about this. I'm a former vet myself. It just takes mm-hmm. me back to a place. He's like, no, I wanted to catch him. I wanted to kill him. And he actually shouts, the bloke shouts bullseye as he hits it with a rocket launcher. And instantly I went, again, Jim Google it. Jim Bowen was a Northern comedian who always looked like he didn't know why he was there, but you were always on his side. If if there was something that was made of gold in America, it was made of cardboard and cloth for Jim. Uh, gave away awful prizes that had no real relevance to anyone from the area that was buying them. Yeah, here you go, John, you're from Rotherham and you've just won yourself a beautiful set of golden shoes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Yates's Wine Lodge in Rotherham Town Centre. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, a complete yeah. set of dynamos. <laughs> so, sidebar on uh, on Bullseye, uh, there was season one, as they'd call it now, the first series. Um, they realised that Jim Bowen couldn't add up so that's why Tony Green came in later on to do the math. Numbers. Yeah, with a, sorry, this is for a darts program. It's when you're hitting numbers and stuff like that. And he just like, oh, unlucky. And so can I have a can I have a question on uh, on the showbiz? Showbiz three for showbiz. And he just he read these things out. He couldn't read properly either, could he? Bless him. No. It constantly no. looked like the world was falling down around him. But that's why he was our hero and the kind of man you loved. Anyway, I will follow that up with the following word three times. Because John is in the mine, he survived the uh, bullseye shot, mm-hmm. and all I'm going to say is rats, rats, rats. Yeah. So he he goes into the goes into the mine, goes right in because he's 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 thinking there's got to be a back to this mine because all mines have a back, right? So he's gone he's gone into the shaft, and um and as he deeper gets in, he, he realizes that the rats are there. So I, I, this must be an old. You know, a trick that he's learned in the in the uh, in the commando unit that he was in. That if there's rats there, there must be a food source and or a water source or something like that. You know what I mean? He decided to follow the rats, and then they're on him. And then it's some proper eighties crap rats that he's just fighting with. You know, like when Crocodile Dundee would fight with a crocodile. It was yeah. clearly a wiry bloody plush toy. Yeah. It was yeah, kind of had them on his back. <laughs> he can't stand them. And then I say they, they have a chat in the bar. That's the rat. Because again, for some people, they'd be like, because Indiana Jones does it three, doesn't he? He has rats, snakes, snakes, and bugs. I think it insects. Is. Yeah. Where he has to put his hand in that thing. Oh, I hate, I hate snakes, wherever it might be. Um, so yeah, that's obviously the one for this one. It's going, oh, what's going to get them? I know, rats will get them. So he escapes. Um, and then the end of the film in particular, I think you can sort of call this the end of it. Uh, it's kind of summed up very easily by what I've written. Blows everything up. I've put. Yep. He's ratatatting at anything he can bloody shoot at. He's blown up a a garage. Oh, because he's escaped, hasn't he? In his van. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's he's escaped out. And uh, the third act is now him, where he's now going to systematically take out these coppers, and and he's going to draw out the coppers so he can get to Teasel himself. And that's that's what he's looking for. So it's all him trying to. Uh, you know, I'm going to blow this shop up over there. I'm going to blow this over there. So everybody has to leave Teasel on his own because he's just going to stay at the station because he's a coward. And he's got his own little way of doing it, hasn't he? So I'm going to get up on the roof. I've remembered mm. the old, like the, the thing. And he's realized there's a skylight. And you're thinking, yeah, when he comes in here, I'm going to smoke him. But he mm. doesn't realize there's a lovely bit actually where Rambo's just ratatatting and he's he's like feeding the bullets, the belt in with one hand. And it looks like he's just, I don't know, he's like some sort of necromancer or some sort of like a. Yeah ancient spirit guy just going here's some bullets for you um but here i've just written down gremlins yeah 
because it is basically gremlins for about yeah. 10 minutes. It's the same look of the city, the, t- the town is cold looking. There's chaos everywhere. All that needed to happen was Sylvester Stallone was to put on, I don't know, some lollipop wrappers on his ears and sing hi ho or come dancing into a bloody bar. And we were away. You know, the little tappy feet they have when they're coming. Yeah, yeah. Like when uh, when Kermit the Frog walks. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just got that little where the feet coming, but I just always remember that one with the wrappers. So, yeah, do, am I right in thinking that reminds you of Gremlins? Yeah, pretty sure. Gremlins was on last week. I actually sat and watched it. And now you've said it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It wouldn't surprise me if it was the same set or the same lot. It, it, it's, it, do you know what? When I've been telling more people about the pod, uh, that's one of the ones I always go to. Seeing Gremlins. I go, of course I've fucking seen Gremlins. And I said it to Neil on the last pod. And you went, don't bash him for bloody asking you if you've seen a film, Mr. Not seen any of them. But it's, it's kind of true. And then I wrote this down before it happened. I shot the sheriff. Mm-hmm. So he takes him from underneath. Now, I must admit, that must have bloody smarted. I was thinking that. Bullets coming up through the floor, they, uh, they you know, to the chest, bang, it's straight in here. It's kind of almost what you expect. But through the floor, the angles are going off everywhere. I'm just thinking that's going to take out your little toe, a blister on the back of your foot. Anything's possible. Yeah, I was going to say, what hurt more, falling through a skylight or your toe and blisters? Well, he's he's been shot to shit. He's a rat. To- now, this is a bit that gets me. I know if that was me and I'd been shot through a floor, I think he takes about eight slugs, as they call them, uh, to the body, then falls through a fucking skylight of glass. I'm now almost instantly shouting, help, help. Someone get me some fucking help. Oh, my God, help, right? Not only fair shits to Will, doesn't really kick off too much, but he also puts up with one of the most meandering end kind of like conversations between two people that ends with them hugging now, I'm going to give you a bit of a... I haven't got the exact script in front of me, but this is basically the most John J. Rambo speaks in the whole film and kind of what he says. So in comes Troutman going, hey, Johnny, you got to let it go and all this. And he basically says this. Yeah. And it goes on and on. Hey, well, that's how it is, Johnny. And I would be on the floor going, shut the fuck up, man. I don't know what you're saying. I've been riddled with bullets. I've fallen through a skylight. And it cuts to him after when Stallone comes out dressed as Prince for some reason in a massive rain mac and a headband singing Purple Rain that he's actually having a drip. And I would be going, this is what I needed. Yeah. Desperate. If you weren't going to finish me, mate, there was no need because he he acts badly in this end bit, Dan. I genuinely couldn't pick out a word he was bloody saying. In the field, we had a coat of honor. You watch my back, I watch yours. Back here, there's nothing. Oh, Stallone. Stallone, not a clue. Okay. So the... The, you know that bit you're talking about. There was there aren't many tropes in this movie. I must admit, it. it I think it started a lot. Uh, like, like I say, it really surprised me how, how good this movie was. Uh, but the, 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 there's one trope there, and I, I I don't know. I must have seen it before. It must have happened before 1982. Whereas, whereas a guy, the bad guy is about to get finished, and he goes, "Get on with it, just do oh, it." You know what I mean? And 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 there's a bit of that. So the next bit that you're talking about is what you know. The the end of Act Three is, is what you'd call the Oscar moment, right? The moment where it all falls into place. And um, and yeah. So I, the bits I can make out is that he came back, and the um, the Vietnam War was not well received by a lot of the American public, and there were there were scenes of people getting spat at and things chucked at them when they came yeah. off the planes when they landed. And I, I believe that got mentioned at some point. His mate got blown up by a bomb and it was all over him and no one would help him. Yep. And then uh, a little boy blew up, uh, blew up his pals. And, um, and, and this is like a really powerful moment. And 
all all everything that had happened before, especially the start of that that third act where he goes blowing up the entire Gremlins town mm. to get the attention of this, he's all seemed to be forgotten about in this moment. And it's just got Troutman there, who is the least cheesiest he is in this movie, where he's just giving him a raised eyebrow, going, "I I get it, John. I get it. I get and it." He hugs him, yeah. And you're thinking, I still thought Troutman was going to cap him, but obviously I know mm. there's more Rambo to come, so. I guess if I was watching it for the first time, would I have would I have liked it? Yeah, do you know what? Probably I would, especially if you say they go shit. Would I have liked Troutman's just go, look, the bloke's fucked in the head. I'm gonna put him out of his misery. Mm-hmm. Rat-a-tat. But no, being an 80s film, we hear the following lyrics kick in. A long road when you're on your own. Uh, I didn't get the next bit, but that was enough. It sounded like Kenny Loggins again, or someone come back from his <laughs> from his bloody, I don't know, his condo in Rotherham going. It's a long road. It was very Springsteen, but they obviously couldn't get Springsteen. It's very like, and he's just walking out amongst the cops and it freezes on the face looking back. I was like, that's a shit ending to a film, isn't it? It, it was, it was a shit ending, but I kind of, I, I kind of allowed it. I liked that he got arrested because that was the correct way for it to end because he, you know, he's caused all this mayhem and he can't just run up into the distance because there'd be, well, the army after him, you know what I mean? So it needed to end somehow. And, you know, the start of the, Second movie. I'm, I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's not like you're going to watch it. I um, might. It, I, I. Do you know what? I'd invite you to, if I'm honest, because I want you to see what they've done with it. I want you to. I want you to see because I. I bet there was a lot of ex-Vietnam vets that that really watched this and went, that means a lot to me. I, especially that that Oscar moment at the end and where they go. Do you know what? Yeah, I did. I. I, I fought everything for this country and just got abused when I got back and I can't even hold a job down. Did he say walking dogs or something or cleaning cars? Well, something like cleaning cars. And he throws a gun at a door, which I expected to go off. But just looking here, the deer hunter was out in 1978, right? And I. I think that is a well. I know people who really despise the deer hunter. It doesn't do a lot in some ways where it does, but I think it does that bleakness very, very well, right? And I mm-hmm. think this does. And at the start, I'm a massive fan of Rocky, right? Because he doesn't mm-hmm. win. Sorry to spoil it for people. He doesn't win. He loses the fight at the end. He's come. Comf- he's got those moments. There's a bit where he's having the raw eggs and he's like shouting at um, Mickey down the stairs and stuff. And he's and it it works because he look he sounds mm-hmm. like someone who's been punched in the face a lot, unfortunately. But also, if you know his story a bit about, you know, having to sell his dog and all this kind of stuff and how many times he got rejected and stuff, there was a real, you know, a lot of people see Stallone way down the line as this kind of rubbery face, kind of like old Tony yeah. Curtis, if he'd melted, kind of looking bloke. But the hunger, it's like people say about first albums, you know, the first albums of certain bands, like Coldplay, I cannot fucking stand, but the first album is actually very good because it's before they were big and it's like, these are the songs we want the world to hear. I think Stallone's got a bit of that here. He's... Yeah. The early, the first Rocky in particular, I think is is wonderful. I think it's a really great boxing. Because it, it's bleak, it's really oh, bleak, isn't it? That's why it does it, and because you don't have Hollywood likes a big ending, the mm. sugary, and it doesn't give you it. And even if you say a bit in two, what happens? But this is very similar at the start. I thought this is great, and then I also thought it did go a little bit. Okay, you've got Vietnam in the woods in Washington State. I quite like that. Um, I just there's just bits of it which bugged me. I think I'm overall going to do my score in a minute, but I'll ask you. But I, I think overall, I thought it was going in a better place than it was compared to where it ended. So what's what's your overall feedback on it and score you're going to give it? I'm going to give it an eight and a half. The reason being is no. it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It genuinely surprised me. But there was just a couple of scenes that really let it down. I thought Troutman was a bit too cheesy. I could see what they tried to achieve from him. But it was the same with if you've ever watched um what's the one where Demi Moore's a stripper and they've got um striptease. But 
uh, Burt Lancaster in it, and his character just doesn't fit with the entire tone of the movie, and it just kind of ruins it a bit. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same with Troutman in this film, and like you said, the bits where it's flying over and the car hits, and you know, you, you know what I mean. It it, it, yeah. There's just a couple of cheesy bits that I just didn't like, but you know, I'm watching it through today's eyes. But I, I actually thought it was. It really surprised me how good it was. I'm going to give it six and a half. It oh, was wow. a solid seven. Um, just because it was kind of like, I kind of had an idea what was going to happen. He's either going to get caps at the end. Although I keep using the word caps now, like I'm some sort of badass. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it was a bit, it's actually his acting, which he does a similar act in Rambo and it works. But for me, the ending bit, I genuinely couldn't hear a bloody word he was saying. And but I, was, I, I, I think that added to it, that made it better for me because I thought the acting was sublime. I thought Dennehy was was brilliant in it. I, I thought Stallone was actually really surprising because Stallone's always regarded as like Arnie's number two in, in that kind of in that kind of world, like he wasn't the big star, but Arnie was. And in terms of acting, Stallone blows him out of the water, especially like when you look at Rocky one and two, where it is quite bleak and it's just all the way through it. That's how people talk. Yeah, no, he can't, he can't act for shit. I don't think um, Arnie at all. Although I'd say a lot of it is to do with the voice. I think, you know, when I look at sort of the, the way that, you know, um, Stallone speaks, for instance, that's it. It's and I think if you're going to do that emotive thing at the end, you just make it a little bit shorter. It went on a long time. And I was looking at it from the point of view of a man who'd just been shot through his bowling ball sack and fallen through a light. And I was going, get on with it, mate. I need medical attention really badly. You know what I mean? Um, but overall, way better than Robocop, uh, which is always the sort of uh, the gold standards to go with. Um, I say, uh, for those of you who uh, are subscribed and stuff like that, it's uh, so we had a little bit of a break because Dan had to go around Europe and we all had other things on and just trying to do whatnot and stuff. Um, you can check us out um, at YNWT Pod on Twitter and Instagram and the like, and soon to be coming to you on the world of the tick to the talk as well. Uh, email us at ynwtpod at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with, we don't actually know. We are going to do that turnaround as well. I think Dan's going to watch with Neil and I recently just uh, again uh, told on Twitter, one of the greatest British films ever made. Uh, I think it's fair to say that I would add to it slightly. You just have to imagine the bleakness or go to uni. And for, I mean, you've worked at Butlins for fuck's sake. You'll get it. There's a bit of bleak. What's that in the sink? And he went, it's matter because something's just rising. Well, fucking fork it. Hilarious. Anyway, um, Dan, thanks for joining me, mate. Uh, are you going between now and next week? Are you going abroad to be annoyed by any women having orange juice in front of you? I'm going to go to Bournemouth uh, this week, so that's nice, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, we will see you next time. And until then, uh, Dan, say bye to the lovely people. See you later, folks. <laughs> thanks, Sly. <laughs> <laughs>